trouble is not my fault all this I also lost my friends, I lost my baby That is looking right, only today what to change He wanted it, so the cook him in a tribal life to feel Welcome back, Crack fans. As always, I'm your host, Dalton Thieneman. Another week of the offseason is upon us here as we eagerly await the 2018 Australian Open. It's coming soon, uh, but first and foremost, I want to wish a happy holiday season and a happy new year to you and your family. I personally can't wait to spend time with the family and eat some uh, delicious food the next few weeks. But uh, we at Cracked Rackets wanted to thank you so much for a great 2017. And we are looking forward to and relentlessly planning for the 2018 season to provide uh, some coverage for you guys that are eager for it. Um, I do want to give you a little teaser for our upcoming 30 for 30 style docu-series called Cross Court Chronicles with our first episode, Fire and Ice, the Maria Sharapova and Serena Williams rivalry available on iTunes and wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, this is going to be a great one, Crack fans. You're going to love it. Um, not just the episode, but the entire um, new podcast that we've been working on tirelessly. So stay tuned for that. And um, all that will be on CrackedRackets.com as well. Um, also, the Great Shot Podcast has been churning out content like they always do. Alex Gruskin, Max Rothman, and Max Fliegner have a real treat for you every Wednesday. So go subscribe and rate their podcast on iTunes. But on this edition of the Cracked Interviews, my co-host for the evening, Alex Gruskin, and Max Rothman makes his Cracked Interviews debut as we are joined by our guest, American tennis player Taylor Fritz. Taylor joins the pod to discuss the roller coaster tennis season, the grueling process of coming back from injury, uh, gives us some insight into his FIFA skills of all things, and uh, sheds some light on his lofty goals for 2018. So I think you're really going to enjoy this. So for now, enjoy my conversation with Taylor. Taylor, first and foremost, uh, welcome to Cracked Interviews by Cracked Rackets, and thanks for coming on. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Uh, tonight, we are joined by Great Shot Podcast co-host Alex Gruskin and co-host Max Rothman from Cali. All right. So, you know, we'll go into it right away. He mentioned, you know, that Max Rothman is from Southern California as well, and mm -hmm. you did a little deep dive on your Instagram, and I saw you are a CIS state champion. So, my first um, question is... San Diego champions. Oh, I apologize. San Diego uh, champions. Gage Brimer gave me a beatdown in the in the uh, Southern California final. <laughs> of course, but I guess my question is, bigger rival to Torrey Pines, Harvard-Westlake or Uni? Um, I'd say in Southern California, it's got to be Uni. But, I mean, our biggest rivals in San Diego was a uh, school named LCC for Torrey Pines. That was, uh, that was the rivalry there. But so you say you have good recollection of your junior matches. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I guess I we're having a debate amongst the crack record staff, and I was of the opinion that your 2014 junior season was actually the more impressive season. Obviously, 2015 was great as well. But can you talk about the confidence you got from 2014? 
Yeah, the 2014, like, I mean, that's what definitely gave me the confidence going into um, the 2015, knowing that I could actually have the success I did in 15. Um, 14, I, I made a lot of a lot of strides, just getting basically getting going with my uh, my juniors. You know, I was outside 100 in the juniors when it started, and it was going so so. I remember like being all stressed out if I was going to get into like French Open Maine juniors and Wimbledon Maine juniors. And I ended up needing to get a special to get into French, but I had a really good uh, play season. I remember that, that you had never played on clay before. And I actually did, did all right for, you know, where I was at the time. And then Wimbledon making, making it to the semis of the junior Wimbledon was definitely like a huge breakthrough for me. Like I never thought I'd be able to do that when I started playing juniors in the first place, like, I mean, I don't know if you talked to any of the guys or Riley or Tommy, they, they'll all tell you that I was miles behind any of them in the juniors um, when I was 15 or 16 years old. So that's never something I thought was possible. And I kind of realized like, okay, I can, you know, I can do this and I'm always about progress and doing better the next year or something. I mean, tell me this year, you know, I can do that. I can continually do this. You know, once you, once you do something, you get the confidence knowing that you can do it again. So, I mean, it definitely gave me a lot of confidence and put me in a good position. I think I started the next year probably around 20 ITF or something like that. It gave me a lot of confidence. And also winning Osaka was still one of my favorite memories, one of my best uh, overall weeks in, in tennis to this day. I still uh, look back on that week. like It was just all around a great week tennis and fun. I enjoyed myself a lot there. No, I, I have, sorry to cut you off, but a quick thought. No you say you, you had never played on clay before? Um, I, red clay, red clay, 2014 was my first uh, time. I got it, got it. I was going to say, in clay, in San Diego, there's got to be clay. Well, I try to avoid it. I absolutely hate green clay. <laughs> I like red clay. I don't mind red clay at all, actually. I think I play pretty well on it, but green clay, I cannot play on it. Is it the sliding? Is it just the movement? It's like it's it's a little slippery. I I mean the problem I feel like I feel like I miss so many balls on a green clay court. <laughs> I just I miss so many balls and I get to so so many less balls and other people get to all my shots also. So like it's just a bad combination, I feel like. <laughs> Oh, no, man. I mean, as someone else who's a little lengthy and, you know, struggles to move on clay, I feel that. But red, red clay, I feel like everything sits right in my in my spot, and I can really hit the ball, and I feel like I can move pretty well on it. So it, it's totally different for me with the uh, red to green clay. Yeah, well, speaking of a red clay event, obviously 2015 French Open, uh, you had yeah. a very successful draw. And I, do you like that segue? What do you think? Should I improve as we go along? <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> okay, good. We'll try and keep it professional. Uh, but obviously, you make the final in that tournament. Uh, you mm -hmm. lose a close ma three-set match to Tommy Paul. Talk about yeah. what that week was like and just having that sort of success. Um, I mean, it gave me a lot of confidence on red clay. I did well in a future prior to that on red clay. And so I was actually starting to think, like, wow, like red clay might be my best surface. Um, and <laughs> Wow. I st well, yeah. I, that's just the way I was thinking because at the time I made semis of the future before, and that was my best ever futures result. I I beat a guy that week in the future. I think that was two, like around 200 in the world, and like that's something I've never done before at that time on red clay. And so I'm starting to think like, wow, like, and I I got through the the French Open draw, the junior draw. I got through it really easily. 
I didn't have too many tight matches up and I didn't have too many tight matches up to the finals. I was I was gonna say you really beat Tsitsipas. Pass. You beat Tsitsipas in the round sixteen, three and two. That's a good win. Yeah, I, like like I said, I was playing, I was beating a lot of really good players um, with pretty comfortable scores. So I was like, geez, I think I think red clay might actually be my best surface. So yeah, we get to the final and I lost I lost to Tommy, but Tommy was playing with a lot of momentum. He won I think a couple futures leading up to that. Like he was just playing great tennis. So I, I you know I have to uh, I took a lot of pauses out of that, but then it put a lot of pressure on me too because I'm like oh god I want to win junior slam so badly at Wimbledon US Open that's it you know but yeah it just gave me a lot of confidence knowing I could play on red clay and knowing that um, I'm going to be a contender in the next uh, couple junior slams yeah well well, speaking of a a tournament that you actually did end up winning and and beating Tommy I want to talk a little bit about what what it was like to win the US Open junior champ yeah I mean it was it makes it even more special for me knowing that there was like, there was so much on it for me. It was so, so important to me. To be honest, like I thought when I looked at all the slams, I thought my best chance of win was going to be Wimbledon. Mm-hmm. I thought that was going to be my, I thought that one was going to be mine, but unfortunately, you know, not much. Quick, I could do inter- with Riley. quick interjection. You lost the tiebreaker to Opelka 15, 13 yeah. in the semifinal. Yeah. And I was down, I was down, I was down five zero returning in that tiebreaker. Oh, really? Oh. <laughs> yeah. What court was that played on? That was I forget the it's the court that Isner had the crazy one match on. <laughs> of course. That's awesome. But uh yeah, that was a back and forth one and uh I really feel I still look back to I think if I won that tiebreaker I was I had a really good chance of that match. But hey, yeah, I look back and it's all good. You know, we me, Tommy and Riley, we all we all end up getting one. But um U.S. Open, U.S. Open. It was just, it was a lot on the line. So it was, it was awesome for me that I uh, was able to kind of perform when there was so much pressure. I feel like that's when I play my best. Also, when there's a lot of pressure on the line. And um, another really close one with Tommy. You know, it was good. I feel like same thing as well from the previous slant or the from French Open. I worked my way through the draw pretty comfortably. I was playing good all week, and it, I'm playing well all week, and it. Um, gave me a lot of confidence moving into my um, professional career because I turned pro that week before the junior started. So, so I, I was going to ask, you, you turned pro before the junior started, not after you won those two challengers a little bit later in the year? I turned pro. I made the announcement the, uh, like, I think after I lost my uh, my men's qualifying match. I, I remember going out there and losing my men's qualifying match three and three in about 40 minutes. And <laughs> I sat in the lock. I sat in the locker room for about three hours in the same spot, just like, what did I just do? But um, I just, <laughs> and I probably going off of that result, it probably wasn't the best idea. But I, I you know, that's when I made the decision. I'm, I'm going to turn for right before the the juniors. So one thing I, I wanted to ask you about before we dive too far into into your pro career, um, just can you talk about a little what it's like playing against? Tommy and Opelka and these guys that you play over and over again. How does that kind of mental game work when you see the same guys, especially when you're playing Tommy in, in two finals in a year? Well, it, I, it's tough. It's tough because you never, I never want to see those guys because they're just my friends, you know. And I'm yeah. sure, I'm sure they'll say the same thing. You just, you don't want to play your best friends, especially in the juniors when our group was so, so dominant. It was just bound to happen a lot. We were, were friends 
leading up to the match and we're, we're friends as soon as we get off the court. You know, I, I was talking to Tommy about it before we played in, uh, in Champaign. I think we've played, I want to say, four or five times. And all but one of those times, we've eaten dinner with each other the night before. Um, so that's kind of the dynamic. You know, we're all really good friends, and you just have to go out with the mindset. You know, they may be your friends, but on the court, we're battle each other. And then afterwards, it's going to be you just kind of have to forget about it for the that time on court. And it was something I, I struggled with a bit, I'd say, um, in the juniors, um, beating my friends. I couldn't, like, I just didn't always have the same... Uh, mindset on court but it was something i improved on a lot and got over and now i can i can handle it a lot better yeah no it makes sense like i i definitely saw a lot of the same faces in, in junior tennis i'm sure everyone else did too um, i thought for sure often you're gonna say yeah i looked russian this weekend and you could tell he was struggling because i'm his friend <laughs> which is exactly why i lost that's the only reason you won yeah i'm trying to help your team here buddy i don't want to see you guys do that we got to be uh, honest with the fans. But uh, one, one other question, was there any consideration ever in, you know, staying in California and taking the town to UCLA or USC or something like that? Yeah, I was a lot closer than, any, and than a lot of people realize. Um, and when I tell this to some of the, the guys and the juniors from other countries, you know, they, they couldn't believe it because for them it's, you know, going pro is all they know. Yeah, I, I verbally committed to going to USC. I think – beginning of 20 beginning of 2016 or what am i saying beginning of 2015 that was probably the uh the route it looked like we were taking and mm-hmm. and i'd always just say stuff like when i'd, I'd win rounds at like futures or, or beat some like play good i or play, like i play a good match i just i would always tell my dad like oh, i'm going pro for sure like i'm gonna go pro and like to be honest i was i wasn't really sure what i was gonna do and then i kind of just started playing really well that last year and started kind of just riding a wave of confidence and better and better and, and it more just seemed like it actually seemed like more likely i started to actually believe it other than just like say it and then when it got to the end there it was it just seemed like a really obvious choice it's interesting you say that because we we know uh, we talk about this a lot that we think some of you guys should or shouldn't have gone and you know i personally think it was awesome that you you went straight to the pros um but really interesting hearing you you say that you know that the year before really uh, made all the difference in, in whether you. Oh yeah, I, I mean, in my in my honest opinion, if you play a full a full junior schedule, I mean, I wouldn't be going pro unless you're at least top top five or so, and that's something that I you know I had no idea I was gonna I was gonna get there. So right, you know, I was a lot closer than to go. I was a lot closer than a lot of people realize. You know, you talk about your success you had in late 2015. I like to credit it to the fact it was in October, and I know you were born in October, and so was I. So for all the Drake fans out there, shout out to October's very young. But, yeah, so talk us through, you know, winning those two challengers, becoming, you know, I think it was the ninth player ever to win two challengers at the age of 17. What was that experience like? Were you, was that just riding momentum from the U.S. Open or you know, did you have some was, sort of confidence because you knew you were a pro? I mean, it was it was a lot of things. It was definitely like just showing up and doing all the right things and just like being so like being overly professional for the first time in my life. So I'm like, I'm a pro now. This is my job. I need to take everything so much more seriously than I did before. And then also riding a huge wave of confidence. Like I just came into every match, like into the pros, like I'm the number one junior. There's no reason why I can't be here. There's no reason why I shouldn't beat these guys. Like I was just so overconfident, to be honest. 
And I think you need to be overconfident. I think some of the best players in the world that are coming up are just like, like the young guys are just so confident. I think that's something you need. Um, and I'd say along with all the confidence and the belief was there, uh, I was playing well, but also I didn't have too much expectation either. I, I went into that the Sacramento Challenger, like just, I'm like, I just want to win a round. I just want to win my first Challenger match. Winning, getting eight points for the first round, that was a really big deal to me. Yeah, for sure. Beating Donaldson in the finals must have been nice as well. You know, another next-gen win. Yeah, I mean, that was that was a big one for me. I had a lot, of, I mean, I look back at it a lot. Like, I pulled out the match against Dustin Brown where I saved so many break points, a couple match points. <laughs> like, if I if I don't win that match, like none of none of all this like would have happened. Like who no, who knows sure. where I, who knows who knows where I would have finished my 2016 season if I wouldn't have won that won the match. Like I wouldn't have had this. I I got a special exempt the next week in the Fairfield. I wouldn't have even been in the Fairfield main draw if I didn't win that match. So yeah, uh, it's you know it's a lot. It, it the margins are are so small, and the match with Donaldson was good. You know I I had never beaten him before, so I felt like. I felt like that was actually going to help me in the uh, in the finals because I felt like he would be a little nervous. I had nothing to lose, and I I think I got out. I mean, I know I got outplayed that match. I was just able to to win the important points of that match. For sure. I mean, for the listeners in, who don't know, that's a match. You know, Taylor, you won against Dustin Brown six seven seven six seven six. So obviously, you know, three tiebreakers against the Servant Valley player. That must have been a crazy one. Yeah, I mean, against a player who can really pull the trigger, hit a winner on any ball. So it's just, it's so scary in this pressure situations, knowing that, or not not knowing what he's going to do, you know? For sure. He can do something crazy. Definitely. And going into 2016, you talked about riding that momentum. You win another challenger in Happy Valley. You qualified Uh for the RPL and played Jack Sock. Obviously, lose a close one there in five sets. You know, perfect way to start the pro career, right? Your first full season on tour. Yeah, I was absolutely loving it, and I was just every. It seemed like everything was just going my way. <laughs> That's definitely a ride of momentum. Rossman talked earlier about the decision to skip college, and one reason you know a John Isner had success coming from college is he had time to develop his body. You know, you're not yeah. quite as tall as John, but being six five, how does he balance playing the full schedule and trying to work on your body? Um, I mean, I just I try and do as much fitness as I possibly can I, I've definitely put on I mean from when I was when I was uh coming out of juniors I, I put on weight for sure I was a lot I used to be a lot skinnier and I'm still skinny I'm still skinny but uh, I definitely I've put on a bit and um this I mean in the middle of the season I took off two months just to do straight fitness training it's uh it's stuff like that that um I feel so that like was your- later on Sorry, that was your reason for skipping the clay season was just to work on your fitness, get your body right. Oh yeah, that was the absolute only reason just to just to do tons of tons of fitness. I was doing four hours of four hours of fitness a day. Wow. That must have been fun. I mean, I'm just I was just working forward to the to the grass season really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not what I really wanted to do because it obviously hurt me a lot in the race to Milan. It hurt me in the rankings. I had to I had to literally just every week just look at my ranking and see that I was outside the top hundred and it just hurt so bad. Seeing like that I, I think I was one thirty at the time and like knowing that I could go be I could be playing these tournaments and but I just felt like it was the right thing to do for my uh my career because I didn't have an off season that, that year between the twenty sixteen, twenty seventeen. I didn't 
get to do the off season because of my knee injury. I was rehabbing the whole time before Australian open. I spent, um, eight weeks in, um, doing rehab every day. So, um, I went into that season, you know, not fully prepared. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that, that definitely makes sense. Um, I guess, you know, on the topic of just your fitness and, and what's allowed you to, to really improve, I'm curious, you know, just looking back at some of your, uh, you know, good tournament results, thinking about Memphis and how you're, you're the youngest American to reach an ATP final since Michael Chang, mm-hmm. you know, do you think your fitness was part of a reason you were able to do that? Or uh, I just kind of talk a little bit about what that was like. Yeah. I mean, I think for those, you know, that, that whole stretch, like I, I was in pretty, uh, pretty good shape for a guy who just turned 18 yeah, i definitely needed to strengthen myself up like my body was taking an absolute beating those weeks like i mean the matches and the quarters and the semis of memphis like i remember my legs being so so sore so like yeah i mean i was definitely taking a beating but um cardio wise like i felt like i could run run all day make just play all day and not not feel a short of breath or anything like that so I did feel like, you know, wow, this is, this is really good. I can, I can hang with these guys on a physical level and I can stay in these matches. And I came back and won several matches from a set down. So being fairly fit at that time definitely played a big part. I always think the toughest transition from juniors to pros is just the physical aspect of the game. So um, it felt good knowing I wasn't, uh, it wasn't too far off. Yeah, definitely. And you know, speaking of that transition, you know, you, you were able to get to a career high of, of 53, you know, mm-hmm. what, what's the difference, you know, between breaking the top 50 and, you know, just kind of breaking the top hundred, you know, where, where is that real game changer that, that you see? To be honest, I mean, the, the margins are so, so small. Like, right. like I could, I could name about three or four matches that I think I should have won this year. And mm-hmm. If I win those matches, I'd probably actually I I could be floating around there actually. Like it, it the margins are so small. It's just like a couple matches here and there. So I mean, for me, the focus right now is um, you know improving my net game and just doing tons of work in the gym, getting myself getting my legs stronger, um, getting um, getting even faster on court, and reinforcing my strengths. You know my. Uh, forehand and backhand just from the baseline becoming even better at uh you know hitting the ball bigger more consistent kind of just um, focusing on what on what makes me uh the kind of player i am and then adding those uh those parts i'm a little uh underdeveloped at. i want to take a quick break to ask a fun question obviously after 2016 you were named ATP uh rising style you know you're the youngest player ranked in the top 100 yeah. Were you at the World Tour Finals party? And what was it like being there at the field? Because, you know, I'm not that old. I'm 22. I imagine it's the time of my life. I went to the, uh, like, the uh, award. They did it They did a little differently. Like, in previous years and this year, they had the person, they had the player come out on court to accept the award. For for some reason with mine, I didn't do that. I, I came up to, like, a stage on one of the, uh, like, the player party, like, the night of, like, this, uh, this nice player party they had. And I mean, it was just really cool to to be at the World Tour Finals. And you know, I told myself I want to, I really want to come back here as a player in a couple of years. And it gave me a lot of motivation to do that. And being around the best players in the world, it was really cool. And accepting the award in front of them. And Lendl was having practice with Murray um, a couple of days in a row because Murray was playing uh, Chilich first. So they thought they'd uh, 
have me as a practice partner for a bit. So that was that was awesome as well. Oh my God, Murray's my go-to player, so I'm incredibly salty. That sounds awesome. Uh, don't get Alex started on Murray. <laughs> I was going to say, so who's your favorite player you've hit with, Taylor? Is it Murray? Is it Tygo? Is it Stampers? Who's bringing you a cake on your Um, It's either Roger or Del Potro. I, I mean, Roger's just, so, Roger's just so chill when he hits. Like, it's just a really, like, laid-back, relaxed practice. It's a lot of fun. And um, Del Potro, I've had some like just really good, like high quality practices with him, just ripping forehands back to back. Like I love that. I was gonna say, I think somewhere Riley Opelka is crying, saying, "How did you not answer me? Like I am out of your boy." <laughs> practices of Riley. God, we've had some hilarious practices. Riley and I will have some practices where we just hit every ball as hard as we possibly can at each other. We have some fun ones. For sure, is it that same dynamic with all the next-gen guys? Is it, you know, not only Riley, but Tommy, Diapo, Codwalk? You know, is it just always fun, always, you know, maybe not the most productive, but just a good time? Um, Some guys more productive than others. Um, I feel like Tommy and I always have really good hits, and I feel like Francis and I always have really good hits. If I play a set with Francis, the first set is always great, and then the second set, it usually goes downhill a bit. um, (laughs) Just like at Winston-Salem. (laughs) <laughs> but uh and then riley and i riley and i it's you know it varies it, we all i mean i have, oh, I have really good practice with mo also mo's a no, good guy to sure. hit with doesn't, doesn't miss too much but uh, oh, sure. yeah, it, it, and i think it definitely depends on who's on the court with us as well the uh productivity i always try and be as serious as possible i hate to uh <laughs> it's it, you know it, it's fun but I'd say the best combination, you know, it's fun. We're having fun, but we're we're working hard, you know. Yeah, it, I was, I was going to ask, you know, what is there like a particular kind of routine you you would like to go through in a practice session with these guys, or does it kind of change up every practice? It depends where we're at, you know. If we're if we're doing like an off season training, we're doing a lot of drilling and a lot of moving um, stuff that's really going to take out your uh, your lungs and your legs. But if we're at a if we're at a tournament, you know, we're just gonna get up the middle a bit, maybe play some cross, and then play a quick set. Are you gonna move down to Orlando? Go down to the training center? Or are you staying on the West Coast? Um, I, I mean, I'm really ha- I'm really happy training at Carson. I think the facility, you know, the facility's pretty great. Um, a lot of great players here. I, I don't really see a reason to uh, to go from here right now. I was going to say, Alex and I got the pleasure of uh, checking out the Orlando facility when we were there last year for uh, Club Tennis Nationals. Not quite the quality that, that you're used to, but uh, it's a beautiful facility out there. I've heard I've been out there, but I'm, I'm sure I'll get out there before the uh, the clay season gets going in 2017. Well, I was going to say, you have to, stay, you have to stay in L.A. now that your Chargers are there. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely nice having them at the StubHub Center for me because it's just right there. Um, <laughs> I went. I went to you know two of the last three home games. It was really nice. They keep they keep on winning, so you know I can't complain right now. Yeah, we all know the four hundred five is treacherous in rush hour. So uh, I feel <laughs> I, I I stay away from it to be honest. I'm a bit south, so I, I I I don't hit the traffic too much unless I'm heading up into um into the the downtown area, which I I don't really do too often. I mean, I went out to LA for the first time last spring break. Actually, we went to Rothstein's house, and it was gorgeous. I I could definitely see the appeal. Um, 
So you talk about being based in Carson. I want to talk a little bit about your preparation for the 2018 season. Obviously, yeah. you're ranked around you're ranked around 105, so you should get mm-hmm. into qualifying, maybe the main draw of the Aussie Open. Yeah, we'll see. I'm going to be right on the cut for main draw. Last year, the cut was 105, so this year, I mean, we'll we'll see. It kind of comes down to the the protected rankings and who's going to withdraw. Um, it's it, it it sucks, you know. I, I just think I could have really won one more match and I'd be all set, but um, it's not a good place to be in, not not knowing for sure if you're going to be in or out. But um, it's going to be really close at the moment. I'm not sure. Rothman and I can bust some legs for you. We'll make sure there are enough withdrawals. <laughs> you know that. <laughs> um, oh, but man. so talk me through your off season preparation. You know, Parso's part of our crack rackets team, and so he sent some photos of you guys running on sand dunes. Uh, you know, is it mostly fitness? Is it sets? Who are you training with? So far, I mean, so far, I think the offseason has been incredible. Um, the the structure was for the first two weeks, it was two fitness, one tennis. Big, big um, emphasis on getting strong, doing a lot of fitness, killing it in the gym. And I think I think I did a really good job of um, of putting in the work in the gym. The tennis was not the quality of the tennis was not so great. I'm sure you can imagine after two big fitness workouts and I took, yeah. you know, I took, I took like a, I took a week off prior to that. And I'm, I'm probably the worst person when it comes to like taking days off and then coming back to the court. Like I can't find the ball at all. You know, the tennis wasn't, wasn't quite there, but the fitness was, and now, now we're transitioning to two tennis and one fitness or two tennis or two tennis and like one and a half fitness, you know, one light fitness and then a, a tougher one at the end of the day. And so the tennis is definitely coming together. I'm practicing, Players-wise, been playing and training a lot with Ernesto, and then um, Jared's here as well. Uh, Stevie's around. Um, I hit okay, with. I'm, I'm sorry to yeah. cut you off, but Rothman also calls him Stevie, so it really is a California thing. All right, Rothman, I apologize. Your last call. Yeah, all the players call him Stevie. Uh, okay, I'm not a real player, so I guess I, I'll call him Mr. Johnson. <laughs> That's just what we all call him. So. But anyway, um, we're getting we're getting good practice. Lots of lots of players here. Fitness, the sand dunes are great. Um, I've been putting a lot of focus on my nutrition as well, and trying to eat as healthy as possible off the court. I I mean, I just told myself that you know I was gonna absolutely kill myself this off season, be prepared as possible, just um, have a big year in 2018. I think I've been um, been doing it pretty well. You know, looking forward into 2018, what's your early year schedule looking like? You know, how are you balancing events and training? And are you going to play play courts this year? Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm going to play, a, you know, a, a full full schedule, very regular schedule, all surfaces. Um, I'm going to try and play as many big events as possible. Um, I'm going to start out in New May, it looks like. And then... If I'm in if I'm in um, Australia, Maine, then I'll go to Auckland, and if not, then we head straight to Australia. And I think we'll we'll kind of see after the first couple of weeks where my rankings at. And you know, I'm looking I'm looking to play almost a full ATP schedule, so very similar to the schedule of the um, 2016 season for me. I think. Is there you know? a time where you think that that'll change? I mean, obviously it'll, it'll change as your ranking fluctuates, but uh, I guess I was I was going to ask you whether you thought it would be similar to last year, considering 
your success, whether it's going to be lighter or heavier. Um, yeah. No, I mean, last year was was a uh, an odd one for the tennis because I was coming back from that knee injury. My ranking wasn't where it was supposed to be. I feel like I didn't play that well most of my year. I had times where I was playing well, but I felt like I didn't play well most of the year because I was still trying to find my game coming back from this uh, this injury. And um, and then I took those uh, two months off to just train and it kind of. You know, I, I got a lot stronger physically, but it did disrupt my season. I was starting to play pretty well, and I took that time off for the training because yeah, I thought that would be, uh, you know, a better long-term thing. So last year was just a really odd, odd season, I guess, for me. Kind of all caused by the, uh, the knee injury that had me out, and I didn't get to do an off-season. Just this this year, I'm coming at uh, everything the right way, and I think we're, it's going to be a lot more similar to a uh, 2016 season. Um, hopefully with no injuries, you know, I, I got that knee injury towards a clay season of the 2016 season. So hopefully I can stay healthy all year and have a, have a start to the year like I had in 2016 and continue throughout the whole year. I want to ask you one last tennis question before we get into our, you know, joking part of the podcast and call it the yeah, joke sure. chat. Uh, but so what will it take for Taylor Fritz to say 2018 was a successful season? You know, I, I think I think I'm setting the bar at, at least at least finishing the year in the top 50. I think that's my minimum, to be honest. The goal I'm setting for myself is I want to be this time next year seated going into Australian Open, but um, I, I think I, I I'm definitely need to be um, top 50 this time next year. I think that will will come out of 2018 pretty pretty satisfied with that. Is the uh, the next gen finals a, a goal? <laughs> Um, yeah, I think, oh, I love maybe, that answer. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, it is, it is, and it isn't because like, if I focus on being top 50, I'll make the next gen finals, you know, it's kind of one goal and the other, but if, if the cut for the next gen finals ends up being like 80 or 90 in the world, then, you know, I, I won't be happy. Make, I won't be happy with myself if I'm 80 or 90 in the world and I make the next gen finals. I won't be happy just because I made the next gen finals. Um, if that makes sense, you know, of course I want to be there. It'd be a big goal of mine to uh, to play there and do well there. But I I want to um, I want to be one of the first or second guys into the event. Definitely. For sure. Yeah, for sure. And so. I apologize for this in advance, but something we do on the Breakout Podcast, and again, to our listeners, uh, if you like this podcast, we promise you, you will like Great Shot Podcast. Go listen, go subscribe, review it, rate it, we'd appreciate it. Um, oh, little rhyme there. But so, <laughs> it's time for our favorite segment of the show that we do. It's time for this week, West Off, cue the drum roll. The Changeover Chat. The Changeover Chat. Sorry about that. Sorry, we had to do it. <laughs> <laughs> but so this week we have a very special guest, our first in the changeover chat, Taylor Frisk. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> so we're going to start out with a rapid fire. And, you know, because right. you're a next-gen guy, we've been doing a next-gen series. So a lot of these questions are going to be about the next-gen guys. So my right. first question to you is a hard one. Okay. How did you pick the best man for the Fritz wedding? Oh God, that was a really tough one to be honest. Um, <laughs> it was it was gonna be between Riley and Tommy always, and um, 
I don't know. I, I, I just felt like, you know, I mean, Riley and Tommy were my best friends. And when people say, who's your best friend? I, I'm like, I don't really have a single best friend, you know, like I have a couple best friends. So, you know, I felt like Riley would do a, a great job. And, um, you know, I just felt like, you know, him and I, him and I are really close. We've been through uh, a lot together over the years. So, I, you know, I thought he'd make a, a really good best friend. So then we'll stay with the next gen. You know, you mentioned Riley. Uh-huh. I know you guys won Kel and the two together. Who's the best yeah. of the next gen Americans to play doubles with? Are you saying I can I, can I not say Riley? Yeah, I know you're allowed to say Riley, but oh, yeah, I'm gonna that. I'm gonna say for for in person, you know, personal preference, I'll say Riley because um, we have a ton of fun on the court. Like if anyone saw us play at the U.S. Open, we're making jokes and laughing throughout all of our matches. Um, so we just you know we have a great time. We we stay relaxed, and it's that's kind of just the, the way I like to play doubles. I don't like to take it too seriously. I play, I play my best when I'm, you know, joking around playing with Riley. So, so speaking of, you know, being relaxed and taking it easy, who's who's the most fun to go out with? I don't go out much, but I'm going to have to say, like, just being around Tommy and Riley is just always entertaining. <laughs> they're always, they're always, they're always, they're always coming up with something that's just, that's just having me, having me dying. I can imagine. Well, who, then, you know, instead of going out, who's the best FIFA player? Since I know that's something you do. Me. <laughs> that's completely non-negotiable. Nobody can argue with that. I'm the best on the ATP World Tour. I'll play anybody for money. It's That's facts. All right. I'm happy wow. to question this because you play with Real Madrid, and you might as well just cheat because you have Ronaldo. I can play, play. I can play with any I can play with any team, man. I I finished. I finished. I was. I was top hundred North America one week in the rankings. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, I gotta see this skill in action. It'll be our first live video for Crack Racket. Taylor Fritz versus Max Rothman in FIFA. FIFA is <laughs> my second profession. <laughs> for, I don't know. I saw your baseball swing, man. It's <laughs> uh, it, it, it's it's gone downhill to be honest a bit over the past couple of years. But when I was when I was uh, 14 years old, I could I could really play baseball. Who's the best trash talker? I got to know. Oh, um, no one really trash talks. Um, oh, criminal. I think I think joke like jokingly trash talking. Um, folk folk pretty good at it. But yeah, like it's all it's all fun, it's all fun and games, you know. Like he's just he's ne- you know it's not it's never serious. It's just it's fun, you know. Better sponsor, Fila or Nike? Tread lightly. Uh, I mean, Nike's Nike. You know, it's, it's the <laughs> biggest clothing brand, biggest clothing brand in the whole world. Fila treated me great for the time I was with them, but um, you know, I'm happy to be with Nike. Awesome. We uh, we obviously go through everyone's social media. Uh, we saw mm-hmm. your your Halloween costume on Instagram. Yeah. So yeah, who's better looking, you or Cristiano? <laughs> Ooh. I mean, a lot of people say we look a bit similar, though. What <laughs> uh, people? Is this the is this the false EQ article? Because that's ridiculous. Ronaldo's a big role model, so I definitely uh, aspire to be like him. Um, well, yeah, that, that, that's all the rapid fire questions we've got for you. Thank you, Taylor, for being a part of our changeover chat. Well, thanks for having me. Well, of course, and I know. Dalton, if you want to hop on now, I know you've got a, you've got a few more rapid fire questions. No, no, Taylor, sure. that's it. Uh, we we want to be conscious of your time. Thank you so much for coming on, and uh, best of luck in the 2018 season, man. Thanks a lot, guys.
Thanks for listening to Gruskin, Rothman, and I's conversation with Taylor Fritz. Taylor struggled with a few injuries in 2017 and had to miss the clay season, as you heard, so we're anxious to see the success on the horizon for Taylor in 2018. We'll certainly be watching and um, are hopeful that he qualifies for the Australian Open outright and doesn't have to go through the quality process, but um, also want to give a major shout out to the magician, our producer, and the one and only Daniel Westoff. He uh, works his magic to make us sound smart around here as always, so shout out to Westoff. Uh, we also have a few big interviews on the horizon. Tommy Paul and Michael Moe will join us here soon. And we still have Blue Chip Senior Axel Neve, Blue Chip Junior Jensen Brooksby, and also Oklahoma Commit Mason Byler coming for you. So stay tuned there. And honestly, um, as you know, I mentioned earlier, we want to give you a shout out uh, for all the tennis fans out there that are eager and hungry for tennis coverage. You uh, sincerely have made our 2017 a great year and have uh, made the Cracked Rackets um, whole idea success. So thank you so much, um, as always, to you. We appreciate your support. Go subscribe to the Cracked Interviews podcast as well as the Great Shot podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram and go like the Facebook page. And please don't forget to rate and review our podcast at iTunes. And we are also now on Stitcher Radio. Google Play, the TuneIn app, and wherever you get your podcast. So check us out there and um, look for the Cross Court Chronicles on the horizon. And as most of you know already, um, and are already doing this already, go tell your family and friends over the holidays about us. Uh, you know we couldn't do it without you. So for one, Alex Gruskin and Max Rothman and Daniel Westoff, happy holidays, and we will see you next time, crack fans. Can't find a thing that stop now I'm not a prince of anything Go take on that kill Anyone that feels so powerful They trip out your wife And your skin of everything is confusing You will be good But you will be more You will be good But you will be more You will be good But you will be more